This week on The Take, we're marking one year since a pair of devastating earthquakes hit Turkey and Syria with a new digital interactive. Listen and watch stories of survival, recovery, and coping with the grief at aj.audio forward slash earthquakes. Again, that's aj.audio forward slash earthquakes. Al Jazeera Podcasts. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. Palestinian police escorting aid trucks in Gaza are being regularly attacked by Israel's military. That's as tens of thousands of people are starving in the Strip and civil order is breaking down. Is Benjamin Netanyahu's government creating a security vacuum in Gaza? And if so, why? I'm Darina Bugeda. You're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Okay, let's bring in our panel of guests to unpack this situation, which has crucial consequences for the people of Gaza, as well as global politics. Joining us from London is Chris Guinness, who is a spokesman for UNRWA during previous Israeli attacks on the Strip. And he's now the director of the Myanmar Accountability Project. In Ramallah, in the occupied West Bank, Walid Habas is a researcher at the Palestinian Forum for Israeli Studies. His work focuses on colonial structures placed by Israel on the occupied territories. And joining us from The Hague is Sultan Barakat, who's a professor of public policy at Hamad bin Khalifa University here in uh, Qatar. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, Walid in Ramallah, if I may start with you. Is Israel, Israel deliberately targeting um, the aid workers, the, the police in the Gaza Strip, as well as um, other people in positions of authority? Yes, for sure. Uh, intentionally, uh, Israel is targeting uh, everything. I wanted to say that the, the day after plan, which Netanyahu introduced uh, days before, includes what Israel doesn't want from Gaza and does not include what it wants exactly. And therefore, I, if I may analyze the situation, Israel is I trying do, to... Uh, let me just stop you right there for just a moment, Walid, because we're going to talk about the plan that Netanyahu has uh, submitted to security cabinet when it comes to the day after. But first, let's just look at these attacks. Why do you say that Israel is deliberately targeting uh, these people? What, what do you base that on? Because Israel wants to deprive uh, Hamas from three things, three important things for him. First, the administration of the civilian affairs, including, of course, later on the education and the healthcare, but currently the, any type of uh, administration inside Gaza Strip. The second thing is the uh, reconstruction process. And the third thing is the humanitarian uh, aids and money. And by the way, this is why also UNRWA is targeting in a way or another. So uh, uh, showing like uh, 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 having Israeli civilian uh, 
police by Hamas controlling the aids that coming inside Gaza is one of the targets that Israel have been like in the last two weeks Israel have reduced decreased the number of trucks entering Gaza very sharply and the one of the reasons is that that there is no a, 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 a official party inside gaza to receive these aids and to distribute them if we want to connect this uh, to the current uh, negotiations in paris israel uses this as a strategic tool uh, uh, to impose pressure on on hamas of course because in this way israel uh, aims at making a chasm if i may say so between the israel the, the gazan population and the government of hamas or the hamas in general this chasm will create like a human Humanitarian crisis because nobody is governing, administrating the population in Gaza, and this is exactly what Israel wants to do uh, to, to 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 increase its uh, pressure on Hamas. Okay, got it. Thank you so much, Walid, for that analysis from Ramallah. Chris Gunnis um, in London. Look, you were the spokeswoman uh, spokesman for UNOWA uh, during previous Israeli attacks, so you've seen what happens during Israel's wars on Gaza. Uh, have you seen this before, and do you share Walid's assessment that these are, in fact, deliberate attacks by Israel? Yes and yes, I have seen these before, and I absolutely do agree with Walid's analysis. Isn't it interesting, though, that Joe Biden, who gave a green light to Mr. Netanyahu for his war aim to completely destroy Hamas, is now realizing what we all knew in the first place, which is that ultimately Hamas will be necessary. Hamas will be necessary in the short term for the delivery of humanitarian aid. Hamas is more than just a vicious organization that kills Israelis, which is how it's portrayed in the West. Hamas is a political movement, and it's very clear that in order to deliver aid in the short term, the structures, the social structures, the, the medical structures, the other structures, the education structures, are going to be necessary in the short term, in the medium term, and in the long term when it comes to discussing the reconstruction of Gaza. The idea that Hamas should be completely destroyed is absolutely self-defeating if ultimately what you're interested in is rebuilding Gaza and preparing the people there for participation in a two-state solution or whatever kind of state solution. And isn't it also interesting that as well as Biden giving a green light for destroying Hamas, the Americans are also giving a green light to destroying UNRWA. Now, if you destroy the Hamas political structures, as well as UNRWA's humanitarian aid structures, you are left with pretty much nothing. So I think we all need to wake up, and I think the American administration is waking up to the fact that this policy of underwriting Netanyahu's erroneous war, war aims are entirely self defeating. The world should go back and remember what it was doing in 2005-2006. At that time, the moderates, the technocrats, the businessmen within Hamas were being empowered to stand in elections. And guess what? They did stand in elections. The moderates in Hamas did very well. But what did the world do? Led by Israel, led by the Americans in the quartet, who took, of course, UNRWA's, sorry, the UN's political office and all of the UN and the Russians and the Europeans as part of the quartet with them, they decided to isolate and effectively to destroy Hamas. We've right. heard this play before. It leads nowhere. We need but to give start us a sense. empowering them. 
Give us a sense, Chris Gunness, of what this means for the risk for the civilian population in Gaza as a result of all of this. It's a very good question you raise, and the risks are immeasurable. Here we have 2.3 million people actually experiencing the beginnings of starvation. Starvation is a long-term, slow-motion massacre, and it has started. So the UN has already said, the senior-most humanitarian in the UN has said that 400,000 people are actually starving now. So if this policy is allowed to continue, attacking Hamas, destroying the Hamas aid workers, destroying UNRWA, the consequences will be absolutely apocalyptic. And, the hist and history will judge these Western leaders very harshly, which is why I say UNRWA needs to be refunded immediately. Destroying Hamas, destroying UNRWA will lead to absolute catastrophe. It will backfire on the West. Gaza is being radicalized. Gaza is being bombed back to the Stone Age. The people there have suffered enough. It's time for a complete policy rethink. And I hope that what we're seeing from the Biden administration in these latest comments is the beginning of that policy rethink and certainly the realization that allowing Netanyahu to press on with this war aim of defeating Hamas is absolutely erroneous. It's self-defeating. It must be rethought immediately because the people of Gaza have suffered enough. Okay, let's bring in Sultan Barakat. Um, speaking of Biden, Chris Gunness was just mentioning President Biden, uh, Sultan. So his administration has reportedly asked Israel to stop targeting members of the civilian police force who escort aid trucks in Gaza and apparently warning that a total breakdown of law and order is significantly exacerbating the humanitarian crisis in the enclave. Um, it, what do you make of this this response by by the American administration? I mean, do they have to come out and say something at this point while at the same time continuing to arm the Israelis? How does this make well, sense? The, the, they've been coming out and saying all sorts of things over the last few weeks while continuing to arm the Israelis. And uh, clearly, Israel does not uh, take uh, much of what they say into consideration. Uh, the idea I think the Americans are putting forward is central around a revitalized uh, Palestinian Authority. And uh, they have now called again for, for uh, the two-state uh, as the ultimate solution for the uh, conflict between Israel and Palestine, as did many nations. I think Netanyahu is mistaken to think that now he can dictate on the Palestinians and the rest of the world what the future of Gaza would look like. He has, it's a big miscalculation because of the mobilization that has happened in opinions, in courts, all over the world. Uh, people are not, I, I think, will find it very difficult to accept what he's putting forward. His idea is to continue occupation, but without calling it occupation, without being accountable for it as an occupation. He's calling for Israel continuing to have full security control, not only in Gaza, but also in the West Bank. So he's reversing whatever small achievements have, have been made with the Oslo Agreement. He's talking about full control from the river to the sea. And uh, within that, he would like the Palestinians to go back to the tribal days, where he would selectively appoint uh, civil leaders, tribal leaders, who will then uh, carry the aid uh, on behalf of the population, uh, manage the, their daily affairs and so on. And that is totally un unrealistic. And in fact, it could backfire big way because the absence of order, uh, as was uh, explained earlier by Chris and Walid, 
is actually not a threat only for the Palestinians, but it's also a threat for the very security of Israel. So the best way, I think, uh, moving forward is, is we Israel, Israel has got to accept that occupation must come to an end. A two-state solution is not uh, is not something that they can reject unilaterally, uh, and they don't have the right to deprive the Palestinians of self-determination. If they don't want to occupy according to the international law, then they have to step back a little bit and allow the international community to take on its responsibility. And from that point, I think the international community has really run out of options short of international protection. And given the number of people that have been killed, we're now edging on 30,000 people directly killed through this war. International protection is the uh, only way forward. And it has to come under Chapter 7, where Palestinians are protected not only in Gaza, but also in the West Bank, to allow them the space to come up with this revitalized uh, government or state. Right. Uh, and this will take time. It could be a two or three or four year uh, break, but it cannot be done under the administration or the military administration of the Israelis, because Israel has shown long enough history uh, of very aggressive occupation, which many nations, if you were following, I'm now speaking to you from The Hague, have illustrated it one after the other over the last few days in The Hague. If you refer to the Qatari statement, for example, they very clearly pointed out uh, the nature of this occupation. It's not, it's not an, an ideal form of occupation that follows the law. Right. This occupation is determined to uh, depopulate the area, and uh, push the Palestinian, uh, Palestinians out and uh, continue Sultan, with this. But before, okay, I, I hear what you're saying about about um, uh, the occupation, because of course that is the context for, for everything that is happening here. But uh, Walid raised a point earlier on, and he said that uh, for Israel to destroy sort of the, the civil society and civil administration in Gaza, this is a strategic tool to pressure Hamas when it comes to any sorts of negotiations taking place. And we know now uh, there have been negotiations, of course, in Paris. Uh, we wait to hear what comes out of those. Um, do you think that Israel, first of all, do you agree with that statement? And do you think that Israel is succeeding in pressuring Hamas in that way? I mean, what can they do more than killing 30,000 people, destroying the whole of Gaza? I don't think it's about just pressuring Hamas, although it may have some impact. It's really about making sure that the whole population is mobile. They want the Palestinians to be uh, in, in a mobile form where they can be pushed anywhere at any time. They push them from north to the middle of Gaza, to, you know, to the south of Gaza. There are talks about an arrangement between them and Egypt to temporarily push them into Sinai and then allow them back after Israel has secured the area. All these scenarios, I think, are uh, obviously are illegal and unrealistic. And if anything, they're going to generate, a, a, create a generation that will be full of more hatred to Israel than the one that has just passed. Uh, Israel, without changing fundamentally the way they address the Palestinian question, they can never have security, and they must get that into their minds. No way for the 2.5 million people to love the Israelis and live with them, uh, you know, as neighbors under the current circumstances. No one will do it, okay. and we have seen much lesser sort of intensity conflicts around the world, and and uh, they were not able to reverse the level of hatred. Uh, by simply allowing a small amount of aid here and there. 
Okay, uh, Walid, uh, we, we started out the, the, uh, the show and you, you said that you wanted to address this uh, Netanyahu's post-war Gaza plan. Now, part of the document states that, and I'm quoting here, that local elements with management experience will be responsible for civilian management and public order in Gaza, right? This is what Netanyahu is saying that he plans to do. And then we see this destruction of the civil society and civil administration in Gaza. Is there a link between the two? And talk to us about... Uh, about Netanyahu's plan and what you make of it. Uh, yes, of course. And uh, if you allow me, I want to summarize uh, a little bit uh, the history since 1967. And I want to refer you to Shlomo Gazit, which uh, he was the second governor of the colonial administration in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. He, uh, he, he put his book uh, titled The Carrot and the Stick. And he says that Israel... Uh, can only uh, uh, prevent the Palestinians from self-determination only if uh, Israel uh, 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 administrates or controls or manage the Palestinian population. It manages the Palestinian population through an indirect colonial rule, whether it was like the villages leagues, the Palestinian Authority through international agreements, or whether with clans or families inside Gaza. This is the plan Netanyahu is talking about. Uh, regardless, it is an indirect colonial rule in which a colonial bureaucracy, which is uh, the military council uh, 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 led by the Israeli uh, occupation forces, uh, lead. The, th the third component is the carrot and the stick, which means that these parties, which Israel wants to collaborate with, uh, are to be rewarded. Uh, empowered if they uh, adhere to Israeli security uh, uh, policy and its Israeli agenda, and they uh, are punished, uh, and uh, violence could be used against uh, the population and these uh, parties that controls or manages the Palestinians' affairs inside Gaza or West Bank, wherever, okay, uh, this is the carrot and the stick. And we never saw, uh, like, a much more violent stick than the genocidical war uh, right. that we witnessed today. But if we talk about the day after... Uh, Gaza. Netanyahu mentioned what he doesn't want in Gaza, but he never said what he really do want in Gaza. And the reason is that uh, he left uh, uh, this intentionally. He wants to make a vacuum in order to re-engineer uh, 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 this colonial uh, uh, administration of the mm -hmm. Gaza Strip. Of course, preserve uh, the split between the Gaza and the West Bank. Uh, this discussion is a little bit different from discussing the occupation from the international law perspective. We, if we look at the colonial management of the Palestinian population, we see that Netanyahu's day, uh, day after plan is part and parcel of a long doctrine started in 1967. Okay, let's bring in Chris Ganes. Um, Chris, the Israeli military, when asked whether they were targeting uh, police uh, who are guarding aid convoys had this response. The Israeli forces said, uh, "We, uh, the the IDF, is operating to dismantle Hamas military capabilities. Elements involved in military activity may be targeted." What do you make of that response? Well, I am living proof of the disinformation and, frankly, the lies which the IDF have put out. I could write my PhD thesis about this. Those comments are simply not 
to be trusted, reality, the number of civilians, women and children who have been killed, belie that, frankly, insulting statement. But can I pick up on something which Sultan, I think, was saying quite rightly earlier, and that is about the right of the occupying power to have a role and a say in the political dispensation of what comes next, the so-called day after. What we have right now, which Sultan alluded to, is more than a quarter of the UN member states in The Hague right now at the ICJ, asking for an urgent determination that the occupation is illegal, twofold. First of all, in the way it's applied, the apartheid system, the arrest, the torture of children in the middle of the night, the blockade of Gaza, and now this uh, genocide, but also existentially, that the occupation is illegal because it denies the Palestinians the right which all peoples have to self-determination. So the idea that the occupying power can determine who in Gaza decides on self-determination is a clear absurdity. And the other, I think, very valid point that Sultan made is about international protection. When you look at Rafa, when you look at 1.5 and growing number of people in a place which was intended to support life for a quarter of a million people, that's six times more than is there. Clearly, the protection of those people and the whole of Gaza needs to be taken out of the hands of the Israelis and put under international protection. Now, what does that mean precisely? We need to look back at what President Obama did after the Haiti earthquake in 2010. He signed an executive order, and within days, 20,000 US service and civilian personnel were on the ground. There were warships off the coast of Haiti. There were floating hospitals. There were aircraft carriers with helicopters ferrying people backwards and forwards. We need to establish 70 25,000 latrines, you know, one latrine for 20 people. That's what the UN calculates. 1.5 million people do the math. That's 75,000 latrines. Tents for eight people. Um, you know, how many tents is that? We need a huge mobilization of a global humanitarian effort, probably led by America. Um, but others need to join in, and that needs to be mobilised immediately such okay. that the plight of 1.5 million people does not deteriorate to the point where a catastrophe turns into an apocalypse. OK, let's get Sultan to elaborate on this point of international protection. Sultan, how do you get there? And, you know, Chris Gunnis is saying that you need America to kind of spearhead this. Uh, that's, one would say, highly unlikely, isn't it? Well, at the moment, it's probably difficult, given that the United States is in elections year, and that's something that Netanyahu understands very well. But I feel that the issue has now gone beyond the hands of the United States and even the permanent five. Although there is an attempt by the United Kingdom and others to circumvent the discussion in The Hague to bring back the issue of the Palestinian uh, uh, occupation of Palestine to the Security Council, knowing 100% that it's been there for 75 years and nothing happened. Uh, the rest of the world is waking up. And I think Gaza coming so close to Ukraine and the contrast it has uh, developed when you compare the two cases has given the rest of the world, particularly the global south, an, an incredible amount of energy to stand up to all sorts of injustices. What we saw South Africa doing in The Hague is, is not, uh, uh, an, uh, it's not an easy task for a country like South Africa to take Israel, knowing exactly who's behind it, uh, to take them to court. But it has really started to work up the, hum the humanity of the majority of the population, including large numbers of the populations within those dominating countries. 
So I would be uh, really uh, surprised. I don't think we can really go back to the before 7 of October arrangement that the Israelis can simply assume they will dictate on the rest of the world what can happen. Uh, and uh, particularly, I mean, they need to look at it from their security perspective, not only the security of Israel, but the security of all of us from a, a wave that we dread to think about in terms of, of terrorism. What the Israelis have fed through the killing, the relentless killing of the Palestinians, they have fed a huge you know, anger around the world that can easily translate into uh, terrorist movements that will probably be much worse than we saw around uh, the 9-11 and the years after. Right. So it is in the interest of everyone to start thinking collectively as to how to diffuse the situation on humanitarian basis, but also on security basis, and also on, on developmental basis. You know, when we talk okay, about the reconstruction... Okay, let me just jump... As a, Pardon, I do apologize, but just for the sake of time, we just have one minute remaining, and I see that uh, Walid wants to jump in there. Walid, final thoughts for you? Sure. Yes, I wanted to say that regardless uh, of our position from Hamas, uh, I, I, and I, everybody, all the Palestinians think that it is the right to use revolutionary violence against the occupation power. But regardless of the position of Hamas, it is the ethically the 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 role of Hamas to govern uh, Gaza Strip in the day after because he it was the government uh, responsible of the of 2.5 million uh, Palestinians and she holds all the files and she holds all everything in Gaza so it is part of destroying the 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 the, the Gazan population if we want to move this administration like uh, suddenly to any other party right. and it is also the role of the the the, the arab countries the arab regimes that surrounding gaza to contribute once and forever uh, 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 to end this uh, humanitarian uh, um, in, in, in Gaza Strip. Okay, thank you so much. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all my guests, Chris Gunnis, Walid Habas, and Sultan Barakat. This episode was produced by Christina DaCosta, Nihad Al Abidi, Veronica Pedrosa, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Mohammed Osman. The program was edited by Andre Usizun, Zaina Badr, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next edition. Coming up in the take, could WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange finally be extradited from the UK to the US? That's the take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.